0: Moncrief on News Talk. It's time for how to when we address the sorts of decisions we don't take every day. Today, it's how to take your employer to court. Breda O'Malley is Head of Employment Law at Hayes Solicitors in Dublin. Afternoon, Breda.
1: Good afternoon, Sean.
0: Do you get many people who come into you and you say, go back and talk to HR and, and talk to your bosses first before you take this kind of drastic step?
1: Yeah, I mean, Predominantly when people contact us for legal advice, we ask where do you want to land with this issue? And if somebody says they want to remain in employment, we say it's not a good idea to introduce a solicitor to that relationship. Because if a solicitor starts going out to bat for you as an employee, really it's game over Mm. in terms of employment relationship. I draw the analogy to a husband sending a wife a solicitor's letter is <laughs> yes. kind of all over. Yes. You know, so it's kind of at the death knell. So instead, what we would tend to do is support the employee in the background um, to achieve whatever their goals are by shadowing them, maybe assisting them to write. Or if it's somebody's own grievance, something they're upset about. I generally say to them, look, I'm not ever going to express it in the same authentic way that you will. It's your story. Tell Mm. your story and don't be afraid to tell it. And then I can give them a legal framework into which that fits in a worst case scenario if improvements don't come. And oftentimes with employees as well, I'm having a reality check with them because many times people will call and say, oh, my boss said that to me. Do I have claim? Can I get money? And I say, no, 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 go back up the yard. It's not like that. It's not like that in Ireland, Um, nor should it be, because we do have quite a sense of entitlement in our culture and a highly litigious culture. So oftentimes it's the reality check to say to people, look, bad things happen to all of us every day, every hour of every day. But is it grave? What's the magnitude of that? Is it repeated? Is there somebody continually ignoring you when you call out your concerns around that? Whereas if it's a kind of a run-of-the-mill, cut and thrust of a workplace
0: people a row. yeah not, it
1: might oftentimes not even escalated up to row level but people mm. don't like the way somebody looked at them or they tried to performance manage. and so oftentimes my role as a lawyer is actually gonna kind of say to people that what what people might have said to you at home or your friends in the bar on Friday night about oh you need to claim about that or get money for that that as a lawyer I'm saying to you really you know perhaps it's just a reality check of is this not sort of part of life and that you speak up for yourself and you mm. articulate but it doesn't need to culminate in a cause of action that's yeah. giving you giving you monetary compensation as such, not always.
0: And w- when you ask them the question, what do you want to get out mm-hmm. of this? Do they even know what they want to get out of this?
1: Um, it's amazing, actually, so often people come in and they are absolutely broken as people. Um, they're maybe with their doctors on antidepressants, not sleeping. And this can be going on for a year, a year and a half. And they're sitting there and we know there's a buoyant employment economy and there was that right across many sectors until recently we know there's a retrenchment now in IT but generally such a buoyant market so I'm sitting there with this broken person and my first question tends to them to be why why are you still there and often they're shocked by that but I do that very deliberately so as to sort of shake them out of the mindset that they're in of thinking woe is me and I've been wronged by the world and by my employer and it, star- it starts the thinking process to really, what are their priorities as a human being, as a person? What do you want to get out of this? Mm. And so, it, it can take time. And sometimes people are shy to say, and usually they put it at the bottom of the list, but I cannot keep probing and I don't give them the answer, uh, to say the money piece. And yes. um, Sometimes it's, it's to say, well, why should they get away with it? As in, why should my employer get away? Or I don't want them to treat my colleagues like that. And I say, okay, we can give you fixes for all that stuff. But usually the money is in there in the mix as well but there's sort of a shame element in Ireland about kind of saying I want to be compensated in monetary terms even Mm. though it is a motivating factor for many.
0: Yeah. Now on the issue of the monetary terms people might kind of rock into you and go I want a hundred grand slamming the desk. The the expectation should be somewhat lowered I imagine.
1: All depends on the circumstances. You know there could be compensation of multiples of that in, mm. in scenarios and then there could be compensations of a tiny fraction of it and no compensation at all um, where we might say to somebody look, to pursue that legal cause of action it's going to cost you more than actually you'll get out of it. So it really is an assessment of what are the circumstances giving rise to your potential claim? Is there a legal cause of action out of it in the first place? And if there is, what are the ports of call to seek a remedy for that? And then if... What's your prospect of success? What are the risks? What are the costs? What's the publicity, the reputation damage to you? So it's looking at all of that in the round. It's not a straightforward A to Z of, oh, that happened, so you get 100 grand.
0: Yes. Yeah. So if so if, if you have, a yeah, person comes into you, they have tried in, in, in internal matters, they haven't gotten any satisfaction in, in that regard. Generally speaking, what kind of categories do you tend to deal with mm-hmm. uh, in terms of grievances? Yeah.
1: In terms of more, I suppose I'd answer that more in terms of the grievances that go on to be legal claims. Do you mean it in that context? Yeah. There are a lot of equality issues. If you think in terms of equality law for employees, there are nine protected grounds. And those range from, is there age discrimination? Is there gender discrimination? And grounds of your sexual orientation? You know, there's a whole range. Traveller, are you part of the traveller community and suffering discrimination? So, Let's say at the moment it's quite popular in the whole retirement age that many employers still assume that we'll be 65 in the contract so you go at 65 and many employees are contesting that saying firstly I can't afford to secondly I love my work and I don't want to go Um, so there are employees that are bringing claims resisting that on the grounds that well to make me retire at 65 is actually discriminating against me Mm. I'm well able to work so that's a common claim. Another one is around Pregnancy, maternity But there are any There is such a range So that's just in the equality domain Then there are unfair dismissal type claims Where you're fired It might be because of a Performance issue Conduct issue And you might say Well there was no fair process Applied there I was just jacked out Or it was really disproportionate That they fired me It was a first offence I was an exemplary performer So you know A whole myriad of things mm. Then there are claims Let's say under What we call the transfer regulations Where there might be Um for instance, a bar or hotel bought out by another, um, a merger of businesses and they might say, well, we've enough for our own staff, we won't take the, the new incoming staff and those incoming staff have the same rights as the, the buyer's current employees to have a job and um, they, they can't just be dismissed um, because the employer says have enough already. Mm. It, the employer has to go through a pooling of all of the staff and not just the incoming ones. So that's another area where there's a challenge. Protected disclosures is a prop, popular one as well. That as a legal term is not well recognised. We tend to, use the um, uh, colloquial term of whistleblowing. Yeah. And that's where an employee speaks up as they're encouraged from a public policy perspective to speak up if there's an irregularity in the nature of a contravention of revenue rules or health and safety or there's a whole range of things one could whistleblow about. And if one experiences adverse consequences like penalisation. You don't get the promotion really on objective grounds you believe you ought to have got or you don't get the same bonus you've got every other year and you know this is really a dig as a response for you Mm. having spoken up. There is a whole range of um, significant legal protections there for employees and you don't have to be dismissed in order to invoke them. Um, You can get compensation or you can seek actually circuit court injunctions. So, almost in the moment, in response, if something happens to you in work, which you can link to, you having spoken up and whistleblown, you can bring a cause of action to the circuit court, um, which is cheaper than the typical port of call for an injunction, which is the high court, and you can seek a court order to prevent you not getting the promotion, so that you get the promotion, for instance, or that you are not transferred to a location that you don't want to work from or into a new region that the employer knows you're going to move on if you're moved in there. Consequences that you know there's somebody waiting in the long grass yeah. for me as a result of having spoken up, and it can be two years, three years on yeah. from when you whistle blew. That's indefinite. You know that you remain with that protection. So those are other kinds of claims that come up. But there's honestly, I could be here all day, which I know is not yes. your
0: <laughs> priority. <laughs> so, so the the, the uh, so the first step if you're going ahead with an action is, is what?
1: Um, I guess firstly to either take legal advice or at least trade union advice to understand is there merit in what you believe is your claim. Mm. If you get to the point where you believe there's merit in your claim, albeit there's always litigation risk, but if there's merit, then there's an assessment of, well, where does this case go to? Does it go to the Workplace Relations Commission, which is the first protocol for many statutory protections like part-time workers fixed-term workers equality unfair dismissals however if somebody let's say at a senior executive level is just fired out today and that happens many times that you're just here's your notice you're gone for those people for instance if there's been a breakdown or a row they might come to us and we'd say look there's no point in you waiting for the WRC to hear your case in six months time the ship has left the harbour at that point the damage is significantly done, we need to go into the High Court to get an injunction, to ask the High Court to give you an order to prevent your employer terminating. So that's a High Court action. Um, I mentioned already the circuit court action around whistleblowing. There are certain cases that would go to the Court of Justice of the European Union. So Because a lot of the employment protections we have here, they stem from the EU. So the final port of call for adjudication or clarity around those legal rights is actually the Court of Justice of the European Union. Most employees in the run of the mill are not going to be either interested or prepared to invest in that. But there are trade unions, for instance, where they want to establish a point of principle and they will bring a case all that way and not just singular trade unions
0: but others too. Right. And now, um, and so then when you've launched the case and you've decided which which court you're going to, is there something akin to a discovery process? Uh-huh. Does the employer uh-huh. have, to, have to give up documents? And yeah. Like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, There is, and that can be done in the Workplace Relations Commission or Labour Court, but we don't tend to describe it as discovery as such. Um, But there is an opportunity where you can apply to the Workplace Relations Commission or Labour Court and say, look, there's a particular document I know my employer has, so I want you to give effectively an order, a legal order, requiring my uh, employer to turn up at the hearing and to produce that. However, much more commonly, the area of discovery arises in what we call civil litigation. So that's in the civil courts, the four courts as we describe them. That could be the district, circuit, high, court of appeal or Supreme Court. And there is um, a well-known and expensive discovery process that happens there where both parties have an opportunity and they're required to disclose what's relevant and what's necessary. And in the employment context, an interesting one comes up because where employees come into us and they say, I have a personal injury claim, I have a psychiatric illness as a result of how I've been treated at work. My employer breached his duty of care to me. It was foreseeable I was going to have a breakdown if they kept treating me the way they did. And it has culminated in me having depression, psychosis, whatever it is. And those are the marks that have to be met in order to bring a successful personal injury claim as a result of, for instance, bullying at work. And in that scenario, I have to say to the employee, well, to take that case you need to be prepared that you will be requested to hand over your last 10 years medical records to your employer and a lot of employees are not up for that mm. and if there's anything in those that shows a propensity to mental health unwellness or a family disposition to um, unwellness that can go even deeper than the sort of t- the standard 10 year cut um, on your medical records and that's really going back into any consultants you've seen the GPs counsellors, psychologists. So it is very, very invasive. So for an employee that is coming with a work situation happening recently where they're feeling bullied, upset, you have to say, you know, there's going to be a troll over this for the next few years. Are mm. you really up for that? Or would you like us to try and find an earlier resolution opportunity for you here where we sidestep that or actually would you like to see is there a good job in the market where you avoid the employer that's damaging you? Because you really need to be up for the deep dive of the investment both financially and personally yeah. if you're going to pursue that claim to the end.
0: Yeah. Because sometimes proving things like bullying, it strikes me, it's kind of a yes you did, no you didn't kind of uh-huh. argument rather than because no uh-huh. one's going to write down on a piece of paper uh-huh. yes I bullied Mary uh-huh. uh, over uh-huh. a three year period uh-huh. Or indeed, someone didn't get a promotion uh-huh. for a particular reason. Uh-huh. They'll always, you know, cover uh-huh. it with some other motive. Uh-huh. How do you go about proving that?
1: Yes. Uh, and I guess when an employee comes to us, I would always say before I meet them, give me a one to two page executive summary. I don't need the lever arch because uh, no doubt you'll have it. But, you know, give me the one to two page summary. And in that one to two page summary and through conversation with them... I'll really quickly be able to identify is is there something, is there meat in the sandwich? Mm. Is there something material? And that's never to take away from the sense of hurt or despair or anguish. Your experience is your experience. So I don't ever deny somebody that or invalidate it in any way. But from a legal perspective, I may say to them, this doesn't give rise to a breach of a duty of care, in my view, based on my 30 years experience. Ultimately, it's a judge that would decide it. But I wouldn't be advising you, the employee, to pursue a cause of action based on that. And it's it's quite commonplace. I, I can tell you a scenario that somebody that has been unwell, they're really, really sensitive to almost someone looking at them a different way. And that's really difficult for an employer to manage as well, or for managers to manage. But the person's wondering do I have a legal cause of action? And I'm like that's just routine. It's yeah. not even out of order kind of behaviour. It's just routine. But people can be very unwell themselves. So their perception can be skewed. So you have the whole range in that. But ultimately, it is my job, I guess, as a legal advisor to say, is there something here which demonstrates there's been repeated inappropriate behaviour to give rise to a legal cause of action for personal injury? Because that's the cause of action for what we colloquially describe as bullying. Mm. I think it's quite unfortunate that we use that term as a badge that we stick on many things inappropriately. So, people with the slightest level of grievance or anguish are inclined to say, well, I've been bullied. It might be their employer saying, you need to pull up your socks and do that better. Oh, they're they're bullying me. I didn't like the way they said that. Mm. That's not bullying in okay. real life.
0: But, and, but, and also in that kind of scenario, do you have to prove some damage has been done? If you yes. go into work every day and your boss shouts at you and yeah. calls you a bollocks, that, that <laughs> might hurt your feelings, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's injuring you. And exactly.
1: So because you could have the most wonderful case of demonstrating technically that you've been bullied, but actually if you're quite a resilient character and perhaps able to give as good as you get um, and if there is no damage to you, if you don't have a a psychiatric injury as a result of it, well, you don't have a cause of action that you can pursue in the high court, for instance, for a Mm. personal injury claim. But I tend to say employees might feel a bit deflated when they come in to me and say, well, I've given you all that detail but you're saying because I don't have a psychiatric injury that I can't do anything with it. And I said, there's lots you can do with it. You can make it clear to your employer you don't like the behaviour. You can change and get another job. There's lots of practical things. But can you pursue a legal cause of action for it that will give rise to a compensation claim? You can, but I think you'll lose it. And therefore, you lose your shirt in terms of money pursuing it. And you'll put your life effectively on pause for a few years while you wait for that to run its way through the system. So, is that really where you want to be?
0: Mm. I assume the same criteria wouldn't apply if it was a case of, say, sexual harassment.
1: Um, No, you don't. Sexual harassment, it goes to the Workplace Relations Commission typically. Now, obviously, sexual harassment could form part of a personal injury claim as well. But let's say if one comes in with a singular incident that happened, for instance, at a Christmas party and they tell you about an incident and there have been horrific ones that have come across my desk then in that scenario it's really making that known to the employer that something inappropriate has happened to me then the first question for an employer is well was that party in the course of work was it a work party or were you just out with colleagues Mm. you know is it related to work at all Yeah. there's the whole involvement of the police in that scenario You'd say GP, counsellor, etc. But back into the legal framework, somebody can pursue that and they don't have to be able to show a psychiatric injury in order to pursue a successful claim. If they can demonstrate that, look, my employer didn't have a safe work environment in the sense of they hadn't made it known that that behaviour isn't tolerable. um, And when I brought it to their attention, they were remiss in how they dealt with it and they were a bit cavalier and dismissive. Then that person, if they can demonstrate that it's not just one person's word against another if they can prove that they're and they might have texts or whatsapps and lots of other evidence to support it if they can they could pursue a successful claim for compensation and there's other orders that workplace relations commission can give such as management need training in there staff need training in terms of what's appropriate
0: behaviour and dignity at work Mm. if you can't definitively prove the sexual harassment but you can prove that your employer perhaps didn't take your complaint that seriously Mm -hmm. do you still have a case in that instance
1: Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have a case for a successful sexual harassment case there Mm. um, because, you know, your employer having the appropriate policies and framework and safe work environment is a step to an employer defending themselves against such a claim. But if you can't prove the harassment arose, your employer is not going to be responsible for you being sexually harassed.
0: Yes, Okay. And uh, do do cases of false claims come across your desk? Yes, yes. Yeah,
1: and it's becoming increasingly common and it's very disturbing and um, if I may say it against my own gender (laughs) um, it has tended to arisen more so in recent times where women make false claims against guys and it is so damaging it is career suicide, excuse the term Mm, to guys when that is made and you know there's an assumption that when somebody speaks up that they're telling the truth and even where an employer suspects that it's not truthful and it's motivated by something else unfortunately or fortunately employers need to be seen to react to that Mm. in a particularly thorough way and we would want it to be looked at thoroughly but I think the balance needs to change where there isn't an assumption of truth just because somebody speaks up about something inappropriate of
0: that nature. I think everyone deserves fairness. Brida O'Malley is Head of Employment Law at Hayes Solicitors in Dublin. Brida, thank you very much. You're very welcome, Sean. Thank you. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.